0: Hello everybody, welcome to the fifth episode of the undergrads podcast hosted by myself Tom and Mo. In this episode we speak to Glenn Garriok from Made by Folk, formerly known as Form 55. Well without further ado, let's get into this episode. Hello everybody and welcome to the fifth episode of the undergrads podcast hosted by myself Tom and Mo. Today we are interviewing Glenn from Made by
1: Folk. Hello Glenn. Hello. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem at all. Is,
0: is it nice to be on the other side of the uh the interview chair for once?
1: Yeah, I feel I feel hugely honored to be interviewed for a change. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. So let's start off right at the very beginning. Your early education. So how did you um how did you get into this crazy business?
1: <laughs> um okay, I'll try and I'll try I'll try and not go like the whole journey, but I'll try and summarize it a little bit. Perfect. Um I studied in Dundee. Dundee um, has a really good design school called Duncan of Jordanstone. And I started there in like a general um, course where you kind of do a little bit of everything, some arts and design, and you have to like pick uh, a couple of courses that you wanna trial for two weeks. And one of the courses that was on the list was graphic design and i had kind of heard that term before, but I didn't really know what it meant. Mm. and i just thought well i i picked animation because i was always a huge fan of of animation and i picked illustration and graphics and i did the graphics course and it was weird how normal it felt <laughs> <laughs> it felt just like holy shit like this is a thing like why how, how have i not known about this and um why why have i not found out about this earlier yeah and um i think it was when i first started using illustrator I was just like, oh my god! Like, how come? Because I was always at, before that. I was, you know, really into graffiti, and there was a few um, artists that I really appreciated uh, appreciated the work that they did outside of just you know painting on walls. And um, one of them was One Two Three Clan, who had like you know these really clean vector graphics as well, and they they were like producing products based on their um, graffiti. And I couldn't figure out how they were doing it so clean. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to recreate that in Photoshop and it was always getting all messy and like pixelated and it was awful. And then when I figured out what uh, illustrator was, I was like, well, this feels like a brilliant tool. I want to do more with this tool, whatever it is yeah. that I can do with it. Um, so yeah, I finished my, my degree there. And before I left, I had gotten an offer from a company called Elmwood design studio in Edinburgh at the time, as well as many other cities. And, you know, I really liked the work that they were doing. I was really focused at that time on print and branding and, and packaging as well. And they were one of the companies that really focused on branding and packaging. So it felt like, you know, like a, like a really lucky win to, to get this job offer before I'd even finished so I didn't even go around and look for anything else I just felt like I can stay in Edinburgh which I was keen on everyone else was wanting to go to London from Scotland so I kind of felt like it would be nice to stay where I studied and I did three years uh, or yeah close to three years at Elmwood and I kind of just got to this point where I felt like okay you know I've done my 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 first three years and I want to Try something else and see something else. And I'd been in Berlin over over a summer, and yeah, I just I loved that city. And I, you know, convinced my then girlfriend, now wife, to to make it sound like a good idea that we should just quit our jobs and uh, move to Germany <laughs> with no plan whatsoever. Just that's before. how that's
0: how the best journeys start, though, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. I think like, we still we still. regret the decision we it it has taken a lot longer than we thought we thought we'd only be here for two years and it's been nine years already it's (laughs) just uh yeah insanely fast how it's how how quickly those nine years have passed
2: very intrigued on how like first you didn't decide to go london and obviously Mm decide to stay in the studio in edinburgh what what was that sudden change was it was it the work that got tedious or was you just wanted something new or
1: fresh or because everybody was leaving uh, Scotland to go and work in england i kind I think it's a bit of national pride. I kind of felt like you know why why yeah. should why should all the 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 talent leave the country you know why not try and make the most of what we have here and um at that point, I totally agreed with that as well. I think Scotland's obviously you know a very small part of the u k and as a country it's a very small country and that obviously means that the kind of jobs that exist, they're highly sought after, the good jobs, mm. and um, that definitely makes it, uh, you know, more difficult. You know, there is definitely more competition in that way as well. But then London, it's just as bad. You know, finding a good job in London is also near impossible. It kind of just stumbled into freelancing. I, I had planned to get a, a job in Berlin, and then we ended up in this little village near Hanover. And while we were here, my wife was supposed to, you know, she kind of got like a, a German course to learn the language. I i was born here and moved between Scotland and Germany most of my life. Ah, okay. So that's why, that's where the German connection mm. comes from. Ah, right. um, but my, my mom and dad are from Scotland. I've, I didn't speak German until I was about seven. I've always counted myself as Scottish, although now I've lived, most more of my life in Germany than I have in Scotland <laughs> so I've kind of tipped the scales now well this is obviously an awkward an awkward problem that we have now that we've lived here for so long and, and the UK has decided to leave the, the EU is that once that happens we're going to have to apply for a visa to stay here and um, or mm-hmm. apply for dual nationality before Brexit happens so, yeah, it's, uh, it's some awkward logistics um, mm. that we might have to go through to, to either stay here or, or leave, the, leave Germany. So, um,
0: carrying on from that, mm. so you said you went into freelancing, you kind of stumbled on it, uh, stumbled through that uh, accidentally. Um, yeah. how, did, how, how do you accidentally stumble into freelancing?
1: Well, so my wife started German lessons and that was supposed to take six months. Okay. And I thought, okay, well... I'll have to entertain myself for six months. I don't have, you know, we we had saved up some money on our very basic salaries as a junior designer and a receptionist uh, mm-hmm. at that time. So you know, we only we only really saved up maybe for three to six months to not work. So I thought, okay, well, that's that's going to be tight. So I just started like writing and calling every single person I know and saying. You no, know, hey, how's it going? You know, I'm kind of in between jobs, and maybe you need a logo or a flyer, or you know. At that point, I had maybe designed two websites in my career. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the this was 2009, so the iPhone was what two or three years old. Two years old, yeah. Um, and I think that was really my luck was that everybody said no i've got a logo no i've got a brochure or a flyer and i don't really need a poster but our website looks terrible on a mobile device and that seems to be getting popular so can you redesign our website and uh uh, although i had zero experience you you just say yeah definitely you know i can i can totally do that for you i can do that no problem at all (laughs) So then I quickly started designing some really terrible websites. And I was lucky enough to already know a few freelance developers mm-hmm. who then helped me out, like um, Alex Nelson, who built the original Farm 55 with us. Um, he, he was already, I know. I think he had, was planning to quit Elmwood as well. He, he worked for Elmwood in Leeds. And um, he was then already taking on some freelance work. So he was basically building the terrible websites I was designing. <laughs> poor guy. At that stage, you literally just rely on the small pool of connections that you've made in your life. You know, like all friends, family, yeah. anyone you can get get in front of you just say, well, uh, I've heard that, you know, this whole responsive design thing is a popular thing. Do you want me to redesign your website? <laughs> and then it just took kind of... I wouldn't say took off from it there that would be over exaggerating but it definitely get, got me enough work in to um, keep me occupied yeah and um, when when my wife Heather finished her uh, German course she then started doing English tuition which was like something that she kind of stumbled into and she's now very very successful with you know now she basically coaches big companies here in Northern Germany on how to properly conduct their business in English, Mm -hmm. Um, which, um, you know, there's like loads of demand for here. Mm. And I think that's what kind of kept us here as well, because I can do my job now that I've been doing it for nine years. I can do my job pretty much from anywhere, in a tiny little village in northern Germany or in the capital city or, I don't know, Thailand at a beach, which I've been trying to plan for some time. <laughs> <laughs> that is the life. So um, now that, you know, and and then it kind of just progressed from that. So I, I studied print uh, branding, mm-hmm. and now I'd say maybe five percent of my annual work is print-based and the rest is all digital you know mostly user interface design for either mobile or um, desktop apps and then the additional material that that comes along with that you know if it's a a young startup it'll probably probably involve branding as well but if it's an established startup i'll usually just guide them through making their product work better or look better Um, and um, that's basically what i've been doing for the past five years now intensively Mm -hmm.
0: and so with um making all those interface designs what what program do you use mainly to do that
1: i'm a huge fan of sketch although i try every single product that comes out but it's usually difficult to to really make a a big shift in your workflow, unless you've got the time to do it and a nice little easy project to try it out. Yeah. So I've got uh, I've got Framer and Envision Studio and XD from Adobe. You know, oh, they're yeah. all they're all in my they're all on my desktop, kind of waiting to be tried. Yeah, and also, yeah. it took me quite some time. you know, I, when, I, when I started freelancing, I was doing all my web design in Illustrator, which all my developers were frowning upon. And then I would have to translate my Illustrator file into Photoshop when I was handing over the files, which was a, a, a huge uh, amount yeah. of extra work I was making for myself. But I was yeah. so much faster in creating the initial design in Illustrator that the time it took up at the end was it kind of balanced out, you know? Yeah. If I would have done it all in Photoshop straight away, I probably would have taken equally as long. Yeah. Um, and it was only when I think I started using Macar, and then Envision bought them up, and then I was kind of forced into using a Sketch for a project, and I thought, well, okay, I'll give it a try, and it worked. You know, I mean, it's by no means perfect. I, and i say that about more software um but it's it's gotten to this point where it's at least established enough that the good people that i work with and the, the people that i trust all use it so that's always a good indicator
0: in this second section glenn talks about how him and his friend came to start form 55 how they curated the work they displayed on their platform and how quality over quantity was the true defining characteristic of Form Fifty Five, and how they later merged with Made by Folk.
2: You know, this has been your main yeah. job, but obviously you're the forefront of Form Fifty Five, and which is now Made by Folk. So, what was the beginning of Form Fifty Five? How
1: did you come up with it? What was when I was working at Elmwood? You know, me and my my uh, friend Jack, who I'd studied with in Dundee, Jack Daly. He kept sending me links and I was sending him stuff just via email saying like, hey, check out this guy's work. It's really cool. Or have a look at this project, you know, things that we we're finding online. And um, yeah. it just got a real, it got really difficult to then remember stuff that he'd sent me. So then like a month later, I'd be like, oh, I remember this thing Jack sent me the other week and, you know, like Mac mail at that point was just, you couldn't find anything in there if you were searching for for something specific. Mm-hmm. so then you'd write to him again and say hey remember that thing that you sent me last month that was like green can you like and it was like a print <laughs> thing and he's like Nah, we need to find a way of archiving this somehow you know because we're sending each other so much stuff i mean it'd be useful to have one place where we can uh, gather it all and at this point like there was a lot right. of you know like sort of like like big portals they were like design portals like um, uh, K10K or QBN or uh, like, these were all like, so almost like um, forums. They were like a mix of forums and uh, people were just posting links there. And it didn't like, it didn't seem easy to just, you know, collect our own things on one of those networks. So I can't even remember. I think Jack's boss at that time was running a, 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 a design blog and we were like well what the hell is that and he was using I think he was already using WordPress so that's the first time we came across WordPress and we had had a look into it. I mean Jack are both not developers so we we like hacked together this really awful like WordPress website using the standard template that, that came with it at the time mm-hmm. and just like I, I don't even think I don't even know what we had for a, a, a project name at that time, but we already had made a list of lots of names that we liked, and then we started finding, trying yeah. to find a domain, and we wanted uh, originally it's so corny, like so corny, but we wanted form follows function, but we liked this three, you know, this three F's. <laughs> Jack came up with this stupid idea of, well, you know, like Glasgow and Edinburgh, they're like on the 55th degree latitude, I think sounds <laughs> kind of cool. And then we'll just change it later <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to every single one of my clients from now, from then on, I say, you, you know, make sure you like your name because if, if you establish it, it's very difficult to change it. later <laughs> <laughs> <on>. <laughs> You get attached to it. Your fans get attached to it. And then, you know, we, i think the first year or so it was just me and jack our, our goal was every day post one link and i remember like we were we didn't even have google analytics or any way like our server had like some basic stats that would show uh, visitor numbers mm. and they were obviously high influenced by us visiting our own website <laughs> and yeah like Every day we were checking our stats, and we are like, "Oh man, i think I think we might have one extra reader. I think like there's maybe one extra person <laughs> that has the study. But at that level at that level when you're just
0: starting out. It's quite a big
1: thing, isn't it? it's totally. quite, it's to say that somebody else is checking your stuff out it was it, you cannot call that feedback, but at least it was like an echo. you know you, you were we were just shouting into this void, and it was yeah. at least like you could hear a, a faint echo somewhere. <laughs> When was the first turning point where you were like,
2: "Okay, we're onto something here, and let, let's let's push I this"? You know, I, that's a good question.
1: I think you know we quickly realized that we're going to lose our jobs if we just keep like focusing too much attention on this thing, this this mm. hobby, and rather than doing <laughs> our work. So we were like, "Okay, well, maybe we should ask a couple of other people to to help contribute." And at the time, I think Chris Gray was our first contributor. And he was a designer that Jack had met online on one of these forums, really talented guy. And, you know, like via email, we got on really well, which is so weird. Like all these first internet acquaintances were all made via email. Hmm. And um, and then we, uh, I, I'd really, I should really have like a, a list of who joined in which order, but I really don't have that. I think sean reese joined pretty early and he was one of the guys that stayed the longest i think my colleague graham cook joined reasonably early as well um yeah but we so every month we kept like adding more people and we kind of selected them by you know somebody knew the other person so it was a little bit too elitist (laughs) you know we were just picking people on like do we know them or you know are they any good yeah and then i said well maybe we could do some kind of entry criteria like you'd have to submit five really good posts something that we haven't seen by this point i think we've maybe been doing them for like two or three years so we've seen quite a lot and so you had to submit like five really great pieces of work that we might not have come across yet and write a a short paragraph for each of them and um and then we, we still, it was still invite only. So we only invited people whose work we really valued, you know, so that was part of the deal was your work had to be really good and you had to have an eye for good work yeah and you had to have this willingness to share. So we found people like Luke Tong who had his own really good blog on Tumblr, I think. And um, I, yeah, I think I just wrote to him and said, dude, you know, you're you're finding really great work anyway. Like, you want to just come and join our platform and you have a a broader reach and yeah luke stayed with us right until the end as well um i think we grew to i think 30 30, around 30 contributors at one point just like around the world i think Mm -hmm. the only countries we really the continents we really lacked and that would have been you know, the next step for me was was really uh, Asia and Africa. I think we kind of we didn't really find the right people at the right time in in those on those continents to kind of give you a different perspective. That's where I always wanted to go with it. So we we got to about thirty people, and that's when it kind of felt like okay, you know, like everybody was contributing and everyone was kind of felt part of this this thing, and they, you know you You could see people were proud of being part of it because they were you know writing it into their little biogs on social media and they were you know helping promote the whole platform in in different places and they were getting invited to events and things or it it, it was a really good door opener as well when you would go for a job interview, for example, because often you get asked well you know what are your hobbies, what do you do on the site, and having you know being a contributor to form 55 definitely meant like okay well this means that this guy has or this person has um at least a a good eye for design because you know these these, this group is at least showing like really high quality work our golden rule was always just like the work that you feature has to make you green with envy it has to be that kind of work where man i wish i would have done that otherwise otherwise it doesn't go on and uh i often had to have the awkward conversation where you know someone would post like like a f- friend's piece of work that was kind of mediocre and i'd have to <laughs> explain look you know i totally understand and it's super awkward to tell someone look it's just not good enough but you're going to have to you're going to have to try you're going to have to try and tell people if it's not good enough then it, it can't go on because you know like the that level of quality like keeping that is kind of what mm. makes a platform like that popular if there's like mediocre stuff mixed into it then you don't you know you you come to that site expecting high quality work like i i think it would be very easy to to just fill you know we were going for quality over quantity so if there was a day where nothing was posted that was just because we couldn't find anything good enough um but we did at the beginning at least try really hard to have like daily updates And I think that kind of leads on nicely to why have we changed to Made by Folk? So last year we were doing, you know, we'd redesigned the site quite a few times and um, we'd gotten to this recent design. this was really like a final push for me to see, well, you know, where can I push this project Um, if we try, you know, if we try and relaunch it again, what can we do better? What has changed? because so many, you know, the internet changes daily. Um, the, 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 the internet as a, as a whole has changed, well, at least in the, the, the design industry, has changed a, a huge amount from when we started. You know, When we started, there was definitely like different design networks and different showcases, loads of blogs. I mean, like that's the incredible thing. When we started, so many other great sites started as well around the same time. Uh, be it like grain edit or uh, it's nice that or change the thought or i mean the the we used to have that what they used to call blog roll which was just like a list of other cool blogs you'd have in your sidebar just so you'd all share (laughs) the love um and that that list just grew too long like there was just like so many other places that were basically doing the same thing so i think we were lucky that we were there in there early and we were lucky that we brought together a really talented group of, of designers to find other talented design work. I think over the years, you know, like there's been so many um, social media and social networks that have really influenced the design scene as well, be it Dribbble or Behance or even Instagram. And, and, and these networks are filled on a minute by minute basis, but with, with extraordinarily good work. So, you know, these platforms that have user-generated content. A blog can never really compete with that, but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't exist because obviously you're curating um, it in some way. But I think our our contributors, like us as a team, you know, we we all started in our mm-hmm. probably early to mid twenties, and now we're all in our mid thirties. <laughs> I think, you know, they all have families, kids, jobs, businesses, houses, God knows what, like important life projects that get in the way of fun little side projects like something like Form 55. And it takes up a lot of time, you know? I mean, no no matter what we we try to improve the publishing process over the years, but it it, it did, and it still does for me, uh, take up a lot of time, in your week and obviously you do still have to earn money on the side we never we never paid anyone we never made any money out of it and that was also you know by design like we we always felt that it felt more honest if we you know weren't really it wasn't about the money yeah um but that also meant that we couldn't make any money out of it because then i would have had to share it with everyone how do you split that between 30 people? Like who gets what? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it was a, that would have been an impossible business to, to start with. You would have had to like slash the, the team more than in half. And then, and then it would become, you know, like, like then it would come, become too precious and there'd be too much pressure. You know, it was, it was like a fun hobby for most of the time. And, um, I think the, the benefits that people got out of it was just that they were able to say that they're part of it. And you, you know, like if you wanted to go to any design conference, anywhere in Europe at least, you would very easily get a ticket, no problem. If you, you know, we got invites to, I mean, especially if you lived in London, that's where we got the most of the invites to. But, you know, you could have pretty much have gone to any exhibition opening, any uh, event opening. We got invites to that all the time. So, you were basically benefiting from the, the, the brand as a whole, but you weren't getting paid to, to, to do the work for it. And that's kind of what led to this point where I felt like it was slowly dying and I didn't want it to, you know, I didn't want it to, to just like go so quietly. I spoke to a friend of mine, Daniel Freitag, who's uh, also a really talented designer uh, living in Auburn in Scotland. He's part of Freitag Anderson, uh, a Glasgow and open based design studio. And um, he ran a, a print shop called Editions of 100. And he was already reasonably successful with it, but he felt that the name was a little bit limiting. You know, you always had to do a 100. What happens if you want to do more or maybe less? And it's kind of limiting it to to sort of artworks i guess um so he changed the name to made by folk i think maybe a year or two ago uh hoping that it kind of broadens its scope a little bit it's it basically things made by the people that he knows and hmm. i think i can't remember when we first started talking about it i met him in edinburgh i think at christmas time we just met for a coffee and we were just talking about our side project him and his wife, who helps him run the, the, the store, they both uh, uh, said, him and Lorna said that they always struggled a little bit with just content creation, like kind of you know, writing interviews and, and creating interesting material to sort of supplement the, the product so it doesn't just feel too much just like a shop. So there's a bit more of a community behind it. And I always said I couldn't be bothered running a shop because the logistics <laughs> of it are, are complicated and I don't have uh, hardly enough time to do the website properly. So how on earth would I ever run a shop properly? And um, I think, yeah, just in conversation, something must have clicked with Daniel. And then a couple of months later, or maybe like a month later, we were on Skype and he's like, I'm going to propose something. And you can tell me, if it's a stupid idea, I don't mind. But would you be against maybe merging Form 55 and made by folk? And I don't even think I thought about it for two minutes. I think I just said that's that's a great idea, man. Like we're just kind of running off a cliff anyway. Like it's going to it's it's going to end at some point if we just keep going this way. So why not? Like, yeah, let's 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 do it. And then I had the awkward conversation with the twenty-four remaining contributors. It was like breaking up with <laughs> oh. twenty-four girlfriends. <laughs> oh, God. How did that go? Some of the guys and girls had already, you know, resigned to the fact. Said, "Look, you know, no problem at all. I can totally understand. I hadn't contributed in months anyway. You know, hope, wish you good luck, and uh, hope it works out." And then obviously some some guys who were still really into the project like like luke for example you know he was uh, you know i was uh, i think luke was the most difficult to tell because i kind of just you know i, I felt like he, he put just as much effort into this project that i had you know I kind of you know he'd almost like adopted it as much as i had so I kind of felt like quite cruel to just rip it away from him i hope i was apologetic enough but Luke could pretty much build uh, a Form 55 by himself, and he wouldn't have a problem with that. I am certain of that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it felt felt more honest just to kind of have a clean break and just kick everyone out. You know, it felt like a clean start. Like, it felt more than that I can now make decisions with Daniel and Lorna. That's like a much smaller team. And we're supported by uh, Patrick, who's um, my favorite developer, in, 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 uh, uh, who lives in Berlin. And he, for for some reason, wants to help us with this with this uh, crazy project, which we are really appreciative of. And uh, yeah, us four are basically trying to now make this work and actually maybe try and make some money out of it in the long term. It definitely is it makes enough money to support itself, which is already good, but none of us will, you know, be able to like get a salary out of it. And that would be long term at least the goal, that maybe there's you know, maybe we can then also start investing more and more time into the project. You know, I'd be like a dream would be that I don't know, maybe work three days a week on, on client work and maybe two days a week on made by folk and actually have my, my time paid by the company. You know, that would be a that would be the ideal scenario
0: so do you have four made by focus there have you all three of you, or, or all four of you I suppose have you set out goals for where you want to to be in a couple um, of years' time or
1: yeah, I think very loose goals. I think we basically wanna so the 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 community or the the network that I've built through the site you know there's just a, an incredible amount of talented people and You know, I think in 2000 and it must have been yeah maybe 2008. I think maybe 2008 or 2009 we started doing weekly covers. So every week somebody designed a logo for us. Basically, at the beginning it was you had to you had to do something with the three Fs. Every single week, I don't even know how how the hell I did it. i somehow organized a different person every week to design something for us that's impressive and you know even when i managed to somehow get a sponsor or somehow get some money you know we never pitched it as like hey we'll give you exposure or something like that we just kind of made them feel like you know we always aim to make them feel like it's it's an incredible honor to do it you know like, like like it's great to be able to to just take over the site for the day and obviously we're going to promote your work and you as a person but we hope that it's like a, a fun little creative challenge to have fun with this this thing that you see regularly and um it i i always felt i always felt really bad about not being able to pay anyone because we weren't making any money out of it and i hope that we've made by folk now that we we're doing monthly covers so you know you get you if you design a cover for us you know you're at the top of the website for an entire month you're the first thing that people see so at least you get you know some good exposure which i hate that word but it it does help in some ways and we we offer them to to create some products with us you know so if they want they don't even have to but if they want to create a poster or a a t-shirt that's what we're starting off with because made by folk was already doing that really well you know then we can hopefully make some money out of the, the the product for the creator, but also for us as a platform and for the producer. So we've got a really fair profit splits of uh, a third each way. So everybody gets the same amount okay. and uh, the producer, i.e. the printer uh, in some cases, or the producer of t-shirts or in the future, whoever makes the, the item, they get a third, we get a third, the creator gets a third and we, um, try and be as open and honest about that as as possible because we're not trying to like, we're not trying to get rich out of this, you know, it's not gonna I don't think we'll ever uh, make like millions out of this idea that's not the the point the the point is really to create a place where we can come up with interesting or cool products that people like and hopefully uh, bring some really, you know, make some really cool collaborations happen as well in the future like I said, t-shirts and and prints, they're like low hanging fruit. It's easy to start with. That's an easy blank canvas to give to someone. And it's also very easy for us to produce and ship a good quality product. But, um, it's, it's not rocket science, you know, it's not going to change the world in any way. So it'd be good fun. Or this is kind of where I see it going in the next couple of years is that if you have a stupid idea of something that you've always wanted to design, uh, I think it was, I was talking to Pietari Posti in Barcelona, who's going to hopefully do a print for us this year. And I was like, you know, if you, want to do, if you want to design something completely random, then let me know. And he said, well, I've always wanted to design some sunglasses. I'm like, well, that can't be that difficult. I mean, there must be a company somewhere in the world who makes like low volume sunglasses, you know. So not like 10,000 a piece, but maybe 100 or maybe yeah. 50. And then he would get to design them, the company would get to make them, and we would distribute them. And I think that, that is what I'm really excited about. It's like these, I don't know, really random ideas and really random products. Or maybe even bringing brands and really talented people together. You know, maybe Pietari works with Ray-Ban, and it's like a made-by-folk Ray-Ban collaboration. You know, well, that of, would
0: be pretty cool.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's all Pipe dreams at the moment. I mm-hmm. mean, um, for now, we just want to establish a, a shop that works, uh, but we're also going to start listing products that people are selling anyway. Like, I, I'd say every fifth designer and creative I speak to has their own little mini shop on their website. But if we can help someone who has an established audience, but maybe not the reach that we have, and we can promote one of their products on our site that'd be, that'd be great.
0: In this last section, Glenn expresses how his love for shooting film helped him create a mini series. He also shares his secrets on how to shoot video and audio and how a carefully selected sponsorship can help fund projects if done correctly.
1: You know, I I really love uh, filming and I love editing film. But I needed something to, you know, to get me excited, like an exciting subject of some kind to, to document. I have come up with this this format, and it's and for those who haven't seen it, it's um imagine Netflix abstract series broken down into a five minute piece. Yeah. <laughs> that was like my it. my whole idea. Was like I love abstract, and it's like beautifully shot, and it's incredibly fun to watch, and so mm. interesting. But it's a real investment of time. You really have to say, okay, I'm going to sit down now and watch an episode of Abstract. You know, it really, it, it's not something that's entertaining enough to my wife that I could say, hey, do you fancy watching an episode with me? Um, so you kind of then end up sitting by yourself watching, watching this documentary for an hour. And I felt like there must be like a, you know, a more digestible internet format of something similar. How could I How could I make that happen? And how could I maybe do it uh, to start with nearby? So I picked Berlin. And that's why I, I work, uh, did a, uh, the first two episodes with Ike and with Patrick, because they're both based in Berlin. It's easy for me to reach. And they were both open to the idea. <laughs> and then I thought, okay, well, I have, I have no money. I have no budget. So I just kind of just have to do everything myself. I did have a camera at that point because I was doing some video work as like almost like as a as a side business um, for some of my clients, just like social media material, and I had a field recorder with a clip-on mic. So, I thought, well, what else do I really need? Uh, it can't be it can't be that difficult. And um, because I've got some experience in editing, I kind of know. I would say that anyone who wants to start um, video, I think you need to you need to kind of get to the editing part to really understand to improve your next video because while you're filming you'll forget a million mm-hmm. things so you can you can see how long it takes mm-hmm. to to put like just like a five minute uh, uh, piece of video together is is a stupid amount of time like it doesn't you know like that's that's what i mean i, I haven't it, i haven't hit that balance yet of the investment of time is worth the the, the outcome, yeah. you know, like, the, that's what I'm still struggling with, it's still, like, a huge labour mm. of love, it's by no means efficient what I'm <laughs> doing, <laughs> and, um, so, because I didn't, I couldn't convince, or I didn't even try, but, like, I, I, I thought, like, if I do it myself, then I don't have to rely on anyone, I mean, I don't have to pay anyone or worry about, like, asking for huge favours, I hate owing favours, so, um, I just thought okay, if I take my camera, take my field recorder, and we'll just basically record the audio separately uh, first, and that will basically be the the a podcast mm-hmm. episode, and then I'll take the best bits out of that, make like a a, a trailer almost for the podcast, and just film the person for the entire day. I'm like, well, if I film like an entire day, there must be five minutes of good material. and yeah. there, There's no yeah. doubt that I'll have, I'll have something that mm. I can use. And um, the beauty of doing it separated, it means that it's just me and the person sitting in a comfortable environment. And um, it just means that hopefully the, the conversation's more honest and more relaxed. And then when I'm filming, it's the other way around. I don't have to worry about sound. Mm. Because like the the usual problem is that if I've got a clip-on mic, how would I sync it unless I've got a remote sync, which I don't. uh, I don't have the money to buy one. And then if I have just a microphone on the camera, half the time the audio will not be good enough that I can really understand what the person's saying. So by... This, this is what I mean. It's just purely out of necessity that I've split them up because I'm a one-man band. Have I got enough angles of this one thing? Like, where is this fitting together in my edits? You know, like, I can I can try and concentrate on those things and also try and make the person feel comfortable Yeah. because, I'm, you know, I'm in their daily routine and it is awkward to have one person just sort of standing around filming you all yeah, the time. yeah. The, the, the more quality interviews you have in the archive the easier it is to convince someone else to join in and that's always been the case with Farm Fifty Five. like the more people we got to create a header for us the more people felt appreciated and honoured to contribute because it felt like look at all these incredible people that I am now involved Mm. with
2: yeah Um, you know I just want to touch on um, sorry unless you got something to say I've forgotten what that was I can't see (laughs) it's gone yeah. Got yeah. shout over me. <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> I just yeah, like you know the art
1: I'm getting, basically how you do it, and I just have to cut you short. Sorry? I'm getting signal that I'm going to have to hurry up, so we're going to have to like try and try and wrap up yeah. the questions yeah. a little bit. Well, right, okay, let's do it. All right. Um, oh wait, wait. My wife's cool. shouting uh, something. So let me. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Cool. Sweet. A boss, a boss yeah, sorry, we've come no, to no, the story Don't long. worry. That's, just, that's what I said. I talked to Heather's <laughs> off end. to go and buy some um, pizza. Oh, so bought us a little bit more time. <laughs> okay, cool. Do you? Well, okay, quick, cool. quick question, um, Glenn. Um, do uh, yeah? Do you do you like pineapple on pizza? I don't mind pineapple on pizza, but it has oh, been it has no. been a long time since I've ordered a a Hawaiian, for okay. example. So it's not something that I regularly <laughs> eat. <laughs> I don't agree
2: with it. I don't agree with it. I I worked at Domino's for nearly three years, and every time I had to make a Hawaiian, I, just, I, I despised it. Yeah. Oh god. <laughs> just despised it. I was like, no, this is not. This is not right. Pineapple should not even be in the pizza place. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. We yeah, definitely yeah, keep yeah. In there because yeah. A lot of people would um, agree with me. Um, <laughs> well, I, I was just going to ask in the fact that you know, you say you you want to do the video and podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you see see yourself like turning a video whole platform on its own? So just purely like going to different countries and um, not even just sitting down with them, but like um, doing this whole like series, like a doc, you know, or like even a cinematic type movie or
1: even a short. Do I want to? A hundred percent. So I've been speaking to a couple of sponsors, just generally about the idea of, of um, making it more city specific and like picking a city and then picking maybe three to five creatives and showing what it's like to be a creative in different creative fields in that city. So I picked, for example, big Mm. hotel chains who have a creative angle and um, try to show them the, the, the the concept and, and explain to them what this, what this could be. And I'm looking at London it's just really finding the funding. I think that's that's the current issue. You know, like we're never gonna be able to self fund them. I, I think even if I ran a YouTube channel and I I would have to self fund the first ten episodes until it would get really popular. And you need a thousand watch hours now to be even monetized. And even when you're monetized you need hundreds of thousands of views to to then even get a little bit of cash out of that. Mm. So um, mm. there's no way I could ima- would ever imagine YouTube being a, a viable option. So I think we would have to rely on sponsors. And to, yeah. to do that, it's the usual chicken and uh, egg problem, you know? <laughs> like, I need to produce more content, but I need money to do that. I, to, yeah. to get money from someone, they want to see more content because they want to see more viewing figures, so yeah. I, yeah I'm kind of stuck in the middle now, so i need to I need to fund my, myself first of all. that's why I can only really afford quarterly at max and um and then hopefully along the way, meet someone who's like, "You know, we really love this series we we really want to support it." The other option I thought of was maybe patreon, but again I, you have to kind of build a, a community there to who, who, who value and appreciate mm. what you're doing and then give them some kind of value out of in the end you have to give them extra content so that they feel valued for their contribution that becomes a job then again and i have too many jobs mm. the thing that i regretted when i came out of uni is everybody tells you make the most of the time that you have there and everybody that i know that goes to university doesn't take that advice and then gives that advice once they're out of uni (laughs) so when people tell you make the most of that time that you have while you're at university and just like try any old crazy style any work any work that you want to do any work that you don't want to do just just give it all a shot then they are saying that for good reason Mm -hmm. so bloody do it (laughs) really so if your university has a woodwork shop Go and make something out of wood. Go don't just like sit in front of a computer. Just like try if they've got a print shop, go and you know print something. If they've got a, a video camera, go and film something or photograph something. Just try and do try and involve as many different mediums in your work as you can. And if you get a shit grade, screw them. Like nobody gives a shit about the grade that you get at the end. Because if you're working for yourself, your clients don't definitely don't give a shit if you get hired you're yeah, going to get hired on your work and your enthusiasm and your character people really underestimate your enthusiasm and character when you graduate because like you are going to, if you're going to work for a company you're going to be part of a team and people want exciting enthusiastic talented people in their company that's not just based on your portfolio so be nice to people Try and be enthusiastic about everything that you do and try and just do as many stupid things like work-wise and life-wise while you're at university. That's my, my main piece of advice. But uh, secondary and third would, would probably be, I think when you're freelancing especially, so when you're trying to bring in your own work, don't underestimate that every single person that you meet will lead to work at some point. And you cannot predict which one of those people at which point in time will lead to that work. So this year, I had three projects from three different people who I met more than two or three years ago. One of them, which is now, what do they call me now? The CDO, uh, the, the chief design officer of a company called Kaya. And I'm helping them sort of build this this great product on helping people with back pain uh, through technology and, and therapy. And this job That's I cool. got uh, because uh, a very nice guy uh, called Benedict Leonard, who used to work at Wunderlist in Berlin and now works for Microsoft. And that was literally after the beer, we had a brief conversation in Facebook messenger and the last message that he had sent me was three years before that. And then that message just said, hey, what's your capacity like at the moment? Have you got time for an extra job? And, and I just said, sure, what have you got? And that's how turned into like a, a really exciting, really rewarding project that I would have never have uh, uh, gotten to if I wouldn't have drank a beer with that guy in Berlin three years before. I mean, that's something that I can't... I, so just make sure every person you meet you're nice to, as I said before, <laughs> But also, you just explain to them what it is that you do. Don't just say, I'm a designer, or I'm a graphic designer. or how. So obviously, don't bore their pants off by going into detail, but loosely explain what it is that you do and how you help. Maybe tell them about a project that you're excited about. That's where your enthusiasm comes in again. Mm -hmm. Um, I think lastly, I would probably just say, as awkward and as stupid as it is, People hire you on the kind of work that you've done. So if you're freelancing or if you're wanting to get a job somewhere, they will base their opinion mostly on the work that is in your portfolio. Even if you tell them, hey, I can do this other thing, they're unlikely to hire you for that other thing if you can't show them that you've done it in the past. So, you know, pick a topic like interviewing your parents for all I care you know like make it like a little documentary about your family but you're gonna you're gonna find experience and learn from that and hopefully then you can show it to someone else and say look this is something similar I know I realize it's not perfect but it's 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 maybe close to what you guys want to do and I I believe I can do it and that's where your enthusiasm comes in again you know then you just have to really try and sell that you can do it and make them believe that you're the right person for the job so yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Perfect.
2: So, so to sum it up, to sum it up in a sentence. Uh,
1: to sum it up in a sentence just... would be, uh, do the kind of work that you want to do. <laughs> Perfect though. Perfect. Love it. It's been a
2: pleasure. Glenn, spot on. Yeah. Um, well, normally, what we end it with is, um, you know, where they can find you
1: all social media platforms that you can imagine we usually try and keep keep ourselves busy on all of them our popular one uh, at the moment is instagram because we try and post quite regularly there. just really interesting work which are some of which which you'll find on our website madebyfolk.com um but some of which which you'll only find on the instagram channel which is hopefully encouraging people to go there more find on twitter and facebook soundcloud i mean literally anywhere <laughs> anywhere you could think of if you are looking for a really nice print or t-shirt then go to madebyfolk.com and have a wee look through our shop or visit their regulators find really interesting creative work from around the world wonderful no thank problem. you
2: appreciate it glenn thank you very much for speaking with us and yeah we look forward to yeah. many Thanks more in the future it's been
1: great um, fun
0: You have been listening to the fifth episode of the Undergrads Podcast with Glenn Garriott. If you like what you heard and want to hear our previous episodes, then head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. If you want to stay in the loop about all things undergrads, then be sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Our handles are U-N-D-R-G-R-D-S. And that's all for now. See ya!